things are not great. They are blue. Mm. They said we couldn't be here. Look nervous. Welcome back to Blues Hockey Podcast. Your host, Jason, along with Chris. Yo! And we do have good news when we come back this time. So, it's been a crazy week, to say the least, for uh, for us. It, you know, it's been seven days now. Um, and I was just talking to a friend of mine who asked if I've gotten back to normal. And in some ways, I think I have. But in some ways, I still don't think it's processed. Like, I know we saw it on TV. I know we went to the parade and watched them take it right by us. But there's still something that seems like it's not real. Like, I'm just going to wake up and be like, ah, just kidding. This didn't happen. Yeah, that's kind of how I was for till the parade on a Saturday. I was very much like, I don't know. Like you're obviously excited and going nuts, and that they won the Stanley Cup, the first Stanley Cup in Blues history is ours finally, and it just never really sunk in. I think even that night when it happened, that like kind of never really hit me at once. And then I think the next day, I was watching. I think the highlights came up on my timeline, or whatever. And then all of a sudden, like, oh wow, that's our captain holding the Stanley Cup up, and that's actually a real live thing. Yeah, and, I uh, I had the initial the initial hit of, you know, all the overwhelming emotional stuff when it happened. Um, and I was actually out of town at a work convention. So, you know, that whole night and the next day I had people coming up to me and congratulating me. Like I had a role in the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So it was cool. Um, but I still don't think I processed it really until I was driving home. I left the convention a day early to get home for the parade and I don't think it was till I was driving across the Poplar Street Bridge coming back into St. Louis. And I drove by Enterprise Center and saw the giant window decal on the front of the arena that said 2019 Stanley Cup champions. And I think that's when it hit me like they finally did it. Like they finally, of all the years this year, and they finally, they finally broke through and they finally won a Stanley Cup. Yeah, the most improbable run, we won't say NHL history because I can't go through every single thing possible, but definitely the most improbable run in the Blues' 52 years of existence. I, I would say NHL history. Yeah, at least at least recent history where the team, a team that literally was in last place more than about halfway through the season because it, it wasn't the All-Star break yet, but as we talked about January 3rd, a goalie, that, a goalie that was fourth string on the death chart to start the year. Um. Guys almost getting released during the year. Mm-hmm. Guys possibly getting traded and the team blown up and then nothing. And then everybody, then all of a sudden the winning happens. And we're going to, we'll talk about uh, the games and uh, like, we're going to talk, we have a lot of stuff planned for the summertime. It's kind of weird to actually just 
like I was telling you, like, oh my God, the draft is Friday. Right. And normally we're sitting there like planning for the draft. We usually do our live draft thing on Friday because we need to have something to talk about because the Blues have been done for, you know. A month or two. Yeah, a month or so. And it's weird to, to actually have, like last year we had two months kind of burn because they're done in April. So we yeah. had to wait all the way till the end of June to have like something to watch that we knew. And uh, now it's like crap. We had the NHL awards tomorrow recording this on our two days. We're recording this on Monday the 17th. And then on Fridays, the first round of the uh, of the NHL draft all weekend. And then a couple of weeks after that is the uh, free agency. And it's like, holy crap, it's already going to be 4th of July already. And we were just finishing up the blue season. Yeah. I mean, really, we're what? 10, 12 weeks from training camp? Yeah, well, I mean, usually, what's the first or second week just after Labor Day, right? Yeah. When they start kind of getting things together. So the Blues will have a new uh, practice arena. That'll be great. We yes. kind of touched on that earlier, which is great. Well, let's get into all these games and talk about the craziness that has been uh, St. Louis. We've had, I mean, there's so much to talk about. We're going to try to get all this in. And, you know, we could talk about it for, honestly, hours. We don't have hours to go over this. So I want somebody to listen to this for three hours. No, this, let's, we'll, not, let's not turn this into the parade. Yeah, exactly. Well, then that's what we'll get to. So last time we talked, the series decided 2-2, two to two, going back to Boston. The Blues uh, came back and won game four. Me and you were at that game. And Correct. they uh, going to Boston. And kind of everybody was kind of not really picking the Blues to win this series. We had a lot of – me and you talked about this, and they said – we said whoever wins game five is probably going to win the series. Well, I think statistically that's usually true. Uh, 78, per, 78% of the time is the, what the statistics say. But it also, it also just felt like if the Blues were going to win this series, they were going to have to win two games in a row. And I felt personally like it was going to be much easier for them to win games four and five in a row than it would have been for them to win games six and seven. Yeah. And the thing that we always talk about is this is a heavyweight fight. Yeah. I mean, it's just these teams are beating each other up. Uh, Zeno Chara, the big story going to this one, uh, broke his jaw during the last game, um, has plates and screws the whole wired his mouth shut. And pretty much everybody kind of thought he would not be playing. And, and he, I'll give this guy a credit, and I know a lot of fans are kind of like ragging on it about how how NBC made it a huge deal. Come here, all man, that's a huge deal because after the series comes out, he had it broken in two different spots, had two plates in there, had his jaw wired shut. Right. He was drinking, he was drinking a liquid diet, you know, those games and playing almost twenty five minutes per game. Right. So I mean, it is I'll a give big it, deal to it me. Is a big deal. I think it's just the like they're talking about how the Blues, you know, took Game Four and maybe had momentum, but the focus on Zdeno Chara. I get it, man. The dude's a warrior. Props to him for stepping up and being a captain. And I think that gave them a huge kind of emotional boost to start this game, at least. I 100% agree with you. Yeah, the, no goals there in the first period, but a lot of back and forth, a lot of hitting. Uh, but the Blues strike first in the second period off uh, Zach Sanford, who's come into, after not playing since early in the Winnipeg series, has come into this series and slid into the O'Reilly line and played really well. And it gets a between the legs pass that's behind the net to O'Reilly, who backhands it in. And O'Reilly with his sixth goal, his second, I think it'll be his second in a game in a row that he has a game, a goal. Mm-hmm. 55 seconds into the second period, one nothing. 
Uh, Petrangelo also gets a secondary assist there. Nothing happens the rest of the second period. Uh, Jordan Bennington playing out of his mind right now. Um, a after very about, good game. Yeah, he, after having a really bad game three, bounced back in game four and had a good one, having a very good game here. And this is where the controversy uh, starts for this game. So Blues are holding the lead one nothing. They finally get pressure in the Boston zone. They start to cycle the puck, and Tyler Bozak comes right behind uh, uh, Noel Akari, Achari, excuse me, and uh, let's be honest, trips him. He slew foots him. I mean, he, yeah. he was making a play for the puck. It wasn't. A he was going play. for the puck. He wasn't. He wasn't he like him. a. He for sure got yeah. him. Yeah, it wasn't a Brad Marchand like no. foot like he's done. But no, no, no. He, he was going for the puck, and he even stopped and threw his hands up like shit. Like they're like he thought. I don't know. Some people saying like maybe a Achari dived or whatever. But I'm like, no, he got hit from behind, and maybe he was him swinging his right leg the way he did. Maybe that's made the refs kind of think that he was. I don't know, man. You know, embellishing because there's a lot of stuff in the the players and the media and the coaches were going back and forth about the the refs calling too much or too little. Uh, and then who knows if that affected what happened here. The play continues, and mind you, we talked about this this many a times during the playoffs when there's something happens, you keep playing until you hear the whistle. That's the number one thing for me with this play. And as much as I know Boston fans, and we have a friend that's a Boston fan, and um, is he though? Eh, we'll talk. That's that's a different story. But he, uh, but they all stop playing, and then it doesn't. Just because we tripped him doesn't mean we'll get an automatic goal. I mean, Tuka Rask could have saved that. A hundred percent. To me, this is no different than the hand pass in Game Seven. You have to play through the whistle. And obviously, the hand pass was a, was a much more of a bang-bang play than this. But in both cases, you play until there's a whistle. Yep. And you could see everybody on Boston pull up. Yeah, David Perron here's, here's had the a, here, kept going. Here's a better analogy. This is the same as Game 6 in Dallas when uh, Ben Bishop took the shot to the collarbone and fell over. Correct. Where everybody stopped them, but the Blues had possession, and that happened bang, bang, play. So that's why the whistle wasn't called. Right. Same here. There's no penalty called. Nothing. His hand didn't go up anything. Perron kept going. I'll give Perron credit for that because he, he was right there when that trip happened, and he easily could have been like, oh, crap, that's a penalty, and slowed up. He just kept going and did a big circle around the top and held on to it, tried to pass it over to Bozak for the one-timer, but it hit defenseman and came back to Perron, who – Slid it between Tukaras legs and gets his seventh of the playoffs from O'Reilly and Bozak at a 10:36 mark, and the Blues win in two nothing in a crucial game five. Uh, Jake DeBrusque does get a one-time goal. This just sneaks by Jordan Vinton from Tory Krug about three minutes later. Yeah, and after a little uh, little scary uh, scary times there near the end, uh, Boston threw man they were they were put through the pressure on at the end. After they got that goal, they it was on, but. Jordan Bennington, Bennington saves 38 of 39. Incredible. The Blues get two goals on 21 shots. O'Reilly's number one star. And the Blues take the lead in the series and get out of Boston and steal one, two to one. I uh, I watched this game in Las Vegas. And um, 
it was funny. I was with our, our friend Jamie, who uh, came into St. Louis earlier this year to see a game. Uh, and we were both at a sports bar. We were wearing our jerseys. And then afterwards, we were walking up and down the Vegas Strip. And everyone was high-fiving us. And literally every five feet, there was a Let's Go Blues and stuff like that. And even he picked up on it and, and looked at me and said, there's no way there's this many actual St. Louis Blues fans in Las Vegas. People must just really hate the city of Boston. And I said, well, I said, you're right. I said, Boston has been very uh, blessed recently to win quite a few championships in all of their sports. Correct. And I said, I think people are, are kind of just done with Boston overall. Um, but it was crazy to walk up and down the Las Vegas Strip. And, like, people were running up and hugging us and high-fiving us and yelling, let's go Blues, like we were walking down Market Street in St. Louis. It was – I think that was the moment to me that I realized people around the country are paying attention to this. And whether you're a Blues fan or you just hate Boston or you're just a fan of a great story – the blues were something that had captivated the country. The whole story, from whatever way you want to attack it, from the fact that they were dead last in the league and now one game away from winning the Stanley Cup, if you want to talk about them firing the coach, if you want to talk about you know Jordan Bennington as a rookie, however way you wanted to attack it, there were so many feel-good things about this team. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, like I remember we saw the – the graphic we've seen making fun of everything where the whole country outside of uh, Illinois and Maine, were going for uh, the blues are going for uh, the blues pretty much. Yeah. So the only people that's, who didn't, that's, that's were, the only people who not going for the blues were new Englanders and Chicago Blackhawk fans. Exactly. So uh, the blues steal is what we talk about. They get it. They get a chance. The cup, as we talk, we kind of mean you talked about via text, the cup was going to be in St. Louis. Yeah. And it has a chance to go to somebody in St. Louis, and we were hoping it was the Blues, and they have a chance here to do this. Mind you, they had a chance, uh, you know, to take the, game, the lead on game three, and didn't happen. So let's see what – so we're kind of seeing what would happen. Would their emotions get the best of them? Would they kind of, like, sense that, uh, like, in the city, that anticipation? You could, like – it was almost like we – mean you talk about it's palpable. Like, you could walk on the streets and – that day around the um, Scott trade, and you could just feel it. I mean, you were in the building for this one. So yeah. tell me, like, did you feel like this? the crowd was just, like, ready to explode? Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, we got down there a little bit before 5 o'clock, and um, people were ready. I think that people were anticipating that they were going to take this game. In, they were going to take it in six games and, and hoist the cup in St. Louis. Um, the cool thing was we walked in the front doors, and as soon as we got our ticket scanned, we, we turn around, um, and there's Tom Stillman right in front of us. Mm-hmm. And just like greeting fans, like greeting fans hanging out. Maybe, you know, two hours before game time, and I just looked at him, and I said, good luck tonight. I really want this for you. And he looked all of us dead in the eye, and he goes, not as much as I wanted for you. And it's, like, and it's like, damn, like you, you just knew that this is an owner that truly, really, really wants to deliver for this town. 
that he's he is as much as he is an owner, he is a fan and he is one of us. Yep. Um, but yeah, I, I would say that the feeling in that arena that night as the game started was it's going to happen tonight. Yeah. Mind you, also going to this game, prices for tickets were outrageous. The uh, two seats next to me and where I sat was section 110 behind where the blue shot twice row are. So literally you, you walk in the concourse and my seats are right there to your left. Uh-huh. The guy who owns the two seats next to me was selling his seats for $900 a piece. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, $9,000 a piece. I was going to say, that was a bargain because I think the average, I think the lowest ticket cross getting the door uh, right after game five, and I'm looking, what I have written down here is $2,400, and it's spiked because there's two-day break to right. about $36. Yeah, I, I, I looked at my friend, and uh, I was like, you know, I was like, I really am struggling with the fact that I can sell my two tickets and buy a car. Yeah, because it was an insane amount of money. I think I saw front row, like the very up against the glass tickets. Twenty thousand dollars. Yeah, we're in the almost twenty thousand dollar range. Ridiculous. So the question is, what would the Blues do? Would they come in here and uh, take it, or would they would this, would Boston come in here and survive to? Uh, Play the game. Unfortunately, it is the latter. Uh, the Blues did not start. They started pretty well the first probably about five minutes. I'd say take. the first five to ten minutes were really good. I, I, to me, the turning point of this game was when the Blues got that early power play mm. and they threw everything at Tuka Rask and nothing got by. Yeah, Sean Corrales had a, had a puck over the glass and delayed game penalty about three minutes in. That's what Chris is talking about. The Blues, I mean – Unloaded on Tuka Rask and just he was up to task, man. I'll give him that. Uh, he really then, was. Yeah. Then the Blues took a couple of stupid penalties. Um, Breco did an over glass penalty, or excuse me, Breco yeah. had a penalty. And then O'Reilly, after we were killing that penalty and looking great on the penalty kill, O'Reilly has it and just rolls off the end of his stick and he dumps it over to glass. And they get a five on three. And Brad Marchand gets his ninth of the year from Pashnak and Krug. And the Blues almost killed us off. And they were like 15 seconds away. I think it was Shen. No, Shen had the boarding penalty. Excuse me. I'll look at the wrong line here. Correct. Shen had that stupid boarding penalty. And then O'Reilly had over to glass. So a couple of bad penalties to start. And the Blues, kind of after this goal, didn't seem defeated per se. But, like, they were behind the eight ball. And it seemed like they were chasing it after this. They were definitely chasing the game. Yeah. And, and, and you could feel it. You could feel as those minutes ticked off that, Boston got more and more confident, and the Blues started to panic. Yeah, in the second period, uh, some good chances on both sides, but nothing really happens. And then the weirdest goal, probably the series. So, well, not weird series, but, I mean, just Rand Carlo gets his second off a bouncing puck. He basically shoots from the point that bounces right in front of Jordan Bennington, and then he just can't handle it. And it was a tough hop for him. It was. Oh, uh, couldn't do anything. About that. Then about eight minutes later, Carson Kuhlman gets his. He's in for his very first game in for David Backus. He gets his first of the uh, postseason. O'Reilly makes it close about two minutes later, and the Blues have a power play right after this. And I'm thinking, all right, they get a goal on the power play. They get three to two. Maybe we can get rolling. Nothing happens on the power play. Then as soon as it ends, 
they've blown coverage and David Pashnak is out front and an easy goal for him, his ninth. And then Chara gets one a little bit later near the end and an empty netter. And the Blues lose a total of five to one. And it goes back to Boston. And man, I couldn't tell you how, I mean, we talked about it a little bit and I'm just like how down we were about this one, man. A lot of people wrote the Blues off after this. Oh man, online. it was well, uh, not not only Blues fans. I mean, I'm talking. I agree. Talking writers because they were like, "Well, they're going back to Boston. They got the momentum and blah blah." And I'll tell I was you one person who did. Go for it. Go for it. One person who did not write the Blues off shockingly to me was Barry Melrose, which is weird to say that at the end of the day. But uh, yeah, a lot of the writers were very much like, "Oh, well." Boston looks great. Boston's back. They're gonna Tuka Rask is up the task. He's gonna shut the Blues down. Look at his record. And when when they're on elimination games, he's undefeated with like a one point five goals against and uh, two shutouts and this and that and and pretty much wrote the Blues off. And I was just like, listen, man, this team has been weird all year. And weird, I mean, like you every time we count this team out, it doesn't matter if we count this team out in January, March, the first round, the third round. Yeah, it's weird how how things have always worked out, and I kind of said, "I'm going to watch this game," and I have this. I've had this weird level of optimism all playoffs ever since that Schwartz goal. I was very much like, "Anything can happen." From now on, I fully think that this team can go places if they play their game. And I always said that on this podcast to you, to many people. I was weirdly optimistic, not happy that they didn't they didn't finish it off on home ice. They just, or for some reason, man. Home ice has just not been kind to them this postseason. They finish up six and seven at the Scott Trade this year. Right. The only, well, I, I will say the only time that home ice has been kind to this team is elimination games. Mm-hmm. They were three and one in elimination games on home ice. Yep, and then only one loss was just the one that just happened. So yep. uh, they looked good until then, but unfortunately, just didn't work out this time. So they go to Boston, game seven, the biggest game of the year in the NHL. So all eyes are on. The Blues and Bruins playing Game Seven across. You know, tons of people are watching this. Uh, how are the Blues going to respond? The first, and guess what? They didn't look great in Game Seven to start. The first, well, well offensively they didn't look great. Jordan uh, yeah. Bennington looked amazing. Correct. I mean, team wise, like Jordan Bennington stopped the early power plays. I mean, see, Brad Marchand had a good chance. Um, Marcus Johansson had a basically a breakaway. David Krejci had us. A uh, really nice pass from yeah. Krug right in front. Three huge stops, and he's up to task in the Blues. I I think fed off that. I mean, oh it, for it, sure. It, I mean, they almost had 16 minutes between shots, mind you. Yep. They had a shot. They had a shot literally the first 20 seconds, and then their next shot went in, which well, would be I, go ahead. I think we we did to Boston what Boston did to us in Game Six is you had all of that pressure from Boston, and they were throwing the kitchen sink at, at Bennington. I think Bennington had something like 17 or 18 saves in the first period. Yes. And nothing went in. They hold the Blues without a shot for 16 minutes, and then bang, the Blues score. And it's just, it hits you in the gut if you're a team on that other team. Like, God, we have been kicking their ass up and down the ice, and now we're losing. Yeah, so 12 shots for them in the first period, and all of them are stopped by Jordan Bennington. So, like I said, the Blues go almost 16 minutes without a shot. In between, they have literally a shot within the first 30 seconds, and then the next shot goes in, and that's uh, Ryan O'Reilly 
the flex of Jay Bomeister shot uh, in the goal between uh, Tuka Rass's legs. And the secondary system for Trangelo at the 1647 mark. Everything is looking great. Um, I legit got up at this point. That we're, we're near the end. I'm excited. There's about 20 seconds left in the period. The Blues get the, the Blues are in their zone. They get the puck. And I admit, I get up and I'm like, I'm going to go to the bathroom. They're just going to go in the zone, kill the clock. As I do that, my daughter screams out. They score, and I run back in. Alex Petrangelo gets a goal after a really great – Jaden Schwartz, who really didn't have a great Stanley Cup Finals. Not really. I mean, he, he was kind he, of invisible. He carried – I'll be honest. He carried this team pretty – I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of guys who – every round, there's a different guy who kind yep. of stepped up. Uh, Jaden Schwartz is kind of the guy who was always being pretty consistent all through the playoffs until this round. But his great effort here is he gets the puck deep into the zone makes waits for Alex Petrangelo and thank you Brad Marchand for for some reason controlled going down. for going for yeah going for a change at the 10 second mark yep. 10 seconds left in the period Trangelo does a backhand right underneath the above the pad underneath the blocker of Tukarask gets the goal from Schwartz his third to playoffs Alex Petrangelo played amazing he did um Games I guess five, not say, six, and seven. yeah he not, can't say enough of how he Stepped up yeah. when it mattered the most. When and a lot of four. people, yeah, when he this whole the whole Stanley Cup, I think he was the best that we have ever seen him play. I agree. Um, nothing happened in the second period. No goals. Uh, back at once again a back and forth game. Jordan Bennington standing tall. Only one penalty called all game, and that was the first period. Colton Preco over the glass penalty. Yeah, but let's be honest. Like there was, no, I mean, both sides. There was probably nothing really. I, you can really say, oh, that should have been a penalty off the top of my head. Like I was, yeah, there wasn't they, anything egregious. And yeah, both both teams pretty played really kind of like they played a heavy game, but no, nobody went for that extra hit, like no hit I, when they needed to, or when there's a potential like slashing or hooking, they backed off because they didn't want to put their team down a man. I was just going to say, I'm sure that if if you asked the referees, I'm sure that there was probably. Uh, an occasional, you know, cross check or slash or hook or something that they could have called, but by and large, I think we all knew that unless it was something truly, truly egregious, they were not going to call a penalty in this game. The rest, as bad as the officiating had been this Stanley Cup playoffs, the referees were not going to be responsible for putting somebody on the power play to win the Stanley Cup. Yeah, so that was really kind of nice for. That not to be like a storyline in this game. It was nice just to be like two teams going head to head, throwing everything they have at each other to see who could win the biggest prize in uh, the NHL. And this is where Bruce fans finally get a breeze at the 11:25 mark. Tarasenko gets the puck into the zone, and he, right as he gets into the, he's like he's to the right of Tukarask on the left side of the ice. He goes in the corner. He takes a peek right before he gets to the puck. See Braden Shen coming down the center, and he puts a perfect pass. And Shen does a really great job of spacing himself out. He's in between the forward and the defenseman, and he gets a shot low on Tukarask and scores the one-time goal. And it's three nothing Blues. And I think this is the point where it was the oh shit moment. Like this is happening. Like this is where Blues fans breathe, and we're like, oh my god, this is happening. Like there's th- there's eight minutes left, eight and a half minutes left. The Blues are up by three. Things can happen, but the way Jordan Bennington's been playing, the way the defense has been just shutting them down and chipping the puck out and just 
making sure they don't get any kind of sustained pressure. Because, I mean, as the game went along, Boston was getting less and less really quality opportunities that I can think about. There was really, there might have been one or two after the first period, but they were really controlling it and making sure all the shots came from the outside. Yeah. When that goal was scored, I was with a friend of mine. I was in a bar. Uh, and I was, you know, when the third period came, about a dozen people came in because, um, you know, the, the people in my industry knew what this was going to mean to me. And so people started filing and they're like, oh, you got it, you got it, you got it. In the back of my mind, I'm like, you guys Not don't yet. understand yeah. what it's like to be a Blues fan and to see this team snatch defeat from the jaws of victory so many times. There's still eight minutes left in this game. Um, but for me, that was like, when it was two, nothing, all I kept hearing in my mind is two, nothing or two goal leads are the worst lead in hockey. hockey yep. So when we got the third one, I was like, that's an insurance goal because you know that Boston's going to score. You just know they're going to score. Yeah. Um, I did not exhale until it was four to one, until it was four, nothing. Yeah. And then, uh, Zach Sanford, who is a Boston native and, once again, another storyline that we can add to the laundry list of things that this uh, team has had during this playoff run. That member, Zach Sanford, beginning of the year, lost his father, uh, suddenly left the team, was up and down this year, found some stability on the, over, with O'Reilly and Perron, and he gets a goal from Perron after Perron, a really great individual effort from Perron. Uh, O'Reilly gets a secondary assist. Uh, that's with about... Three about three about, excuse me about four minutes four and a half minutes left and this that's when I think a lot of Blues fans lost it. Uh, I know yeah. I was on the, I know I was at my house uh, by myself. I don't know, so my wife was there, and that's when I kind of like I didn't even cheer for the goal. I just put my arms up, just like one hand, just like one arm up, be like yes, like that's it, like it's real, like this is going to actually happen. I mean, four minutes. I mean, crazier things have happened, obviously. Um, yeah. But the way the game was going and then what happened there, I think you knew this team was not going to let this get away now. No. But, unfortunately, the shutout was not preserved, as in about two and a half minutes later, Matt Grizzly gets his fourth from Krejci. Uh, so perfect that's shot. Perfect shot. I mean, the thing is, he, the funny part is, like, he fanned on it. Yeah. He fanned on it, which and then that made it go to the top uh, corner. He was aiming for, actually, the glove side. And, he, and it fluttered, and Bennington was expecting a harder shot, and that's what made him kind of come out to a certain point, and it just beat him over his shoulder. So, unfortunately, that didn't happen. No shutout, which would have made this so much sweeter, but at the end of the day, well, he I deserved really it. Care. He, he deserved he it. He totally yeah. deserved it. I mean, he stops 32 of 33, and the St. Louis Blues are officially your 2019 Stanley Cup champions. It's I still have hard hard time saying it. It is uh, mayhem with Sue's on the ice. Um, I'll be honest with you. I think the last two, uh, I'd say that, not the last two games, the games five and seven, I think if those games, the Blues scored goals on a very limited amount of shots on those games. Like they scored two goals on 21 shots in game five. And in this game, they scored four goals on 20 shots. Yeah, I think that basically pushed Tuka Rask out of the consummate talk. Oh, 100%. Because um, I think it, I think there was a legit chance going into these next three games. The Blues took these two and say they were two-to-one games. There's a legit chance you could have seen uh, Tukaras 
take the Con Smythe, just like uh, John Sebastian Jaguar did the year the Devils won. Yep. I well, kind of thought the, that might happen. Seventy was it? Nineteen seventy that Boston won and the Blues got the Con Smythe. Uh, sixty-eight, Glenn Hall. 68. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So Glenn Hall got it in sixty-eight again when he, they played the Canadians. Um. So your Con Smythe winner, and this is I talked to Chris about this, and I I've said since I've you know been a fan, I said I've never gotten a personalized jersey. I just kind of have superstition about like. If I get this jersey, something's going to happen to this guy. He's going to get traded. Something's going to happen to him, or he's going to go in the crapper or whatever. The only personalized jersey I ever had was Wayne Gretzky, which that was kind of a no-brainer. Right. So that's not a that's kind of an easy one. I always said if the Blues ever win the Cup, whoever is the Con Smythe, I would get the their jersey. I don't care if the Con Smythe is somebody who had amazing playoffs and then never hear from again. I'll, that gives me remember that run. Yeah. Well, luckily, it's a pretty good player. Uh, he officially has the most points in any Blues playoff run mm-hmm. with uh, 24 points. Ryan O'Reilly is the Con Smythe winner. Uh, Did he overtake Brett Hall for most goals? Uh, most points. I believe go- Hall has the goals because I saw points. I never saw him saying he leads the goals. I think Hall had something like 13, 14, 13 or 14. That was Schwartz. Schwartz could have done it. Yeah. Well, I know that but, Riley caught fire towards the end and yeah, caught he, up to Schwartz. But I wasn't sure if he overtook Schwartz and Hall. So Ryan O'Reilly scores uh, points in six straight games, goals in four straight games, matching Wayne Gretzky and uh, Mark Messier. Yeah, so pretty good company there. Yep. Um, he gets the Conn Smythe Award winner officially. I think making us win the trade. I don't know what do you think, but uh, yeah, I think that's uh, that's a, a icing on top of the fact that the Blues uh, won that trade, even though it was a five five person for one person trade. Yeah, yeah, we we, we know you know about that, and uh, so Ryan O'Reilly, who eleven months earlier was in front of microphones in Buffalo saying how he lost his love for the game, is holding up the Conn Smythe Trophy in Boston, skating around, and then holding up the uh, Stanley Cup, and he's a Stanley Cup champion. Uh, we got that guy for another four years, so yep. I'm okay with that. Yeah, um, the voting comes down to this: the top three wind up going to. Three Blues players, which kind of surprised me. Tuka Rask pretty much fell off into the second and third place realm. Uh, your top three vote-getters for the Con Smythe are, obviously, Ryan O'Reilly. With, he has 74 points. Jordan Bennington finishes number two with 48 points. Wow. And after that is Alex Petrangelo. I thought Bennington would be closer to the lead. Yeah, so did I, but uh, it's because O'Reilly got a bunch of first places, and that's what that's what kind of pushed him up. Because Jordan Benson basically got almost every single second place vote for every single writer, except yeah. for like one or two took Tuka Rask. Uh, Colton Pareko wound up being right behind Tuka Rask in the voting for number four. So Pareko had another amazing uh, had a playoff where I think we finally saw him emerge as okay, he's definitely going to be a number one guy. Like for a while there, he kind of seemed like he was like not living in Petrangelo's shadow, but just kind of like not bursting through that to that. I can be a number one guy. Like I can be a complimentary guy, a really good complimentary guy. Right. But he became the complete package this playoff, shutting guys down and get contributing to some goals. Uh, and I'll take that. He, we got to him locked up for a while too. Him and Bo Meester were probably. The top pairing, Jay Bomeister, was your leading ice getter in Game Seven. That's crazy. Let let that sink in. Compared to if you told if you went back two years ago and sat down next to your 
your past self and said, hey, the Blues win the Cup in two years, and your leading ice skater is Joe Jay Bomeister, and he played amazing, you would be like, that's not me. Yeah. <laughs> because that, that, you, that, that guy's from another planet. Yeah, that guy is fake. And and the Blues just go nuts. Uh, I think I, – I know – did you see the Deadspin article where how many times they could uh, drop the F-bomb yeah, on live TV? Yeah, 11 times total. <laughs> I think the best one I liked was on Sportsnet. Ryan O'Reilly's talking to the uh, reporter, and he's just like – he's like, once, uh, once we got that first call, I know we were effing getting it. And the reporter just had his look on his face and starts laughing. He didn't care, and he's just like, oh, and O'Reilly, you know, me Canadian. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I was like, I'm just hyped right now. I can't help it. You know, it was great. I mean, seeing everybody on the ice. Um, I know you. I, you know, you posted your uh, ugly crying picture oh, you know, out there. You know, I, I, my video. My wife decided. I told her she asked if she could videotape me at the end. I said no problem, man, because I really don't care if they win the cup. Um, I didn't know how to. I was like Will Ferrell in the Talladega Nights. I was like, what do I do with my my hands? Like, I just like <laughs> just sat there and I just cheered, clapped. Just cussed, cried, a oh, little bit of everything, a little bit of everything that uh, what happened. So I um, I was lucky enough that two of the people who were in the bar with me were native St. Louisans, and one is uh, a good friend of mine named Bill Rush, who's older than me. He has been around to see this team since its inception, and so he got it. And he, you know, he lives in Kansas City now, and. But he's still a blues fan, and, and he knew what this meant. Um, the other was a good friend of mine, uh, Leslie, who's been a friend of mine for years, and she now lives in Seattle. But we're very good friends, and she knows how big of a fan I am of this team and how like I, I live and die, just like you and like a lot of us do with these playoffs. We get super high during each win. We get super depressed during each loss. Ironically, I didn't have those ups and downs this year, but yeah. um, you know, I this was the one game like I was with you when we clinched the West, and mm-hmm. I kind of had that like a rush of emotion, but like nothing compared to this because it's one of those things that I don't think we ever talk about as fans. You know, I'm, I'm 42; I'll be 43 this October, and you start to wonder like, I wonder if this is ever going to happen in my lifetime. Like, I wonder if I'm ever really going to get to see it. And especially the way this this season started and how bad it was, you know, you were like, well, I guess there's always next year. But then for it to turn around and to sit there in this this piece of crap sports bar in Louisville, Kentucky, and hear everybody cheering and realizing that, like, it happened. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, dude, there was a guy across across Broadway from us that had a sign that it's 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 an old sign now because you've seen the Red Sox fans use it in 04. You yeah. saw the Cubs use it when they won, and it just says, "I can now I can die in peace," and yeah. I'm I'm there. Like, yeah, it's like one like I was a uh, I explained to my wife like after the fact and then. I kind of was watching the celebration and Petrangelo gets the, he gets the cup and he holds it up and the fireworks go off and you're like, Oh my God. And that's a hit me again. And I'm just like, wow, it's crazy. And then tell my wife, like, you know, we've been together for a really long time now. And I just said like, yeah, there were years when crushing defeat after crushing defeat happened where yeah. it was losing to Chicago a handful of years when they had that Ryan Miller deal or the year they finished in, uh, 
number one in the in the NHL, and then they lose to San Jose in the first round. Yeah. Or the Eisenman yeah. shot, or yeah. you can you can go. Sadly enough, we go on and on with all the heartbreaking oh, dude, beats it, that it, happen. It is it is the it's the DNA of a Blues fan. Yeah, and I told her I'm like it, there is legit times where you just said like it's not it's not meant for us. Yeah, it's like you know like will this happen by the time I'm you know will it be will I be like you know 75 when this happens? Will I be not on this earth anymore when this happens? Will it happen right. next year? Like I don't even know if it'll happen. You know, like you did, like you just you just didn't think it would happen. Like you kind of said, I was in the same boat where I kind of told her where I just you had a belief where you're always cheer for your team, but just there's so many things that went wrong over the years, yeah. and, and this you just didn't know like what else could there possibly be to go wrong where you had a team that made that big trade or signed that big free agent or. Yep. You know, had that really good run or drafted that really uh, promising guy, like, you know, for drafting Eric Johnson or then, you know, getting Vladimir Tarasenko and then Jaden Schwartz in the same draft. Yeah. Or, or I mean, and look you know, and Alex Petrangelo in those drafts, you know, it's it's just one of those things where you just all the promise and you just never knew it would come to fruition. Well, let's, it finally did. let's go back the last 10 years. This is a Blues team that every year, for the most part, was a critic favorite. And every year it seemed like, dude, for, for at least four years straight, the Blues lost in the playoffs to the team that won the Stanley Cup, be it Chicago or L.A. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we we were eternally the little brother. We always seemed to run into that buzzsaw that was going to win the Stanley Cup. And this year we were that buzzsaw. And it's it's weird to be on the other side of it. When I went to bed Wednesday night, you know, I was flipping through my iPod, and as fate would have it, the first song that came on was Queen, We Are the Champions. And I just it, it flashed me back to so many years of going to games as a kid with my dad and uh and my my grandpa and uh you know watching us get eliminated by whoever it was at that time, be it Toronto or Detroit, Chicago, the old Norse division days, and being dejected and them just patting me on the back and going, there's always next year, Chris. There's always next year. We'll get them next year. Do my grandparents, both of them are long gone. And they were both huge sports fans. My dad's not in the best of health. And I, I remember starting the series and going, how many more chances is the old man going to have to see this? Mm-hmm. And like for it to finally happen, dude, I was so excited to take my dad to a finals game. They got crushed. He went to two. He went to two playoff games this year. I think they lost by a combined score of fifty to one. <laughs> like he went to the game against Dallas, where Dallas just beat the Blues' brains in, and then he yeah. went to Game Three in the Stanley Cup, where Boston, like everybody, scored. Um, but he was there. And, you know, my phone died quickly Wednesday, so he tried to call me after they won. But I talked to him the next morning. But I was like, you know, for for his dad and my, and my mom's dad, who were both big sports guys, like, that means something. Like, the Blues finally won a cup. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, like, the old phrase, one before I die, we don't have to say it anymore. We got to see it. Your yeah. daughter has seen the Blues win the Stanley Cup. Yeah, she and, won't have to grow up hearing the jokes about why can't you get a drink in St. Louis because they yeah. don't have any cups. Like that's it's so bizarre to me 
that now these these kids aren't going to grow up with the same albatross that we grew up under, that yep. our parents grew up under. It's going to be it's a whole new world. Yeah, like kind of like whether the Cardinals for the last you know fifteen years or whatever, how great they've been and yeah. like like yeah. getting into the playoffs has been the norm, and they weren't in the playoffs. They're like these people that are freaking out, and it's like you realize the '90s weren't great, right? You know, they're like, yeah, after the 80s, you know, when they're doing pretty well in the 90s through the early 2000s, they weren't great for the Cardinals. Right. And now they turn it on. So, and the other thing I want to bring up to what you kind of said, and I was going to get to, well, like my daughter saw it and how she was. This is going to be the equivalent of what Brett Hall did for youth hockey in St. Louis. Oh, youth 100%. Ho- youth hockey was already getting very big in St. Louis, but now you're getting. I saw plenty of stories online where people are saying how their kids want to go the the you know they have the like you can try hockey out whatever that's called the, the blues have a program where you can go try hockey for a couple of times and they let you have the equipment and stuff like that and if you like it you can buy the equipment i mean that program is going to blow up now like sure. you're going to see sure. you're going to see a lot like the new rink is opening uh the centene whatever called rink out there in merrill heights is going to be three sheets of ice that's going to be huge now there's going to be and i know chesterfield's building a new rink yeah when the 80s man when we were growing up there wasn't really that many there was creve core there wasn't too many rinks around. Like, well, Florissant had an outdoor rink, and but obviously when it had to be cold enough for that to happen. Outside of that, it wouldn't happen. The only um, rink that I remember as a kid was Creve Corps. Yeah, and then uh, at the time, Queenie was outdoors until the last yeah. game for 20 years, 10 years maybe. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, you were talking like there weren't too many rinks around, and now you're having rinks pop up left and right due to – the demand, and I think this is going to galvanize it even more. You're going to have where Brett Hall got the uh, now, well, Keel, Savas, Scott Trade, Enterprise Center built. Like, you're going to see more and more stuff pop up around St. Louis, and I think when the Cardinals are in a down, so a slight down period right now, I'm not saying the Blues will overtake them for like a long time, but I think there's going to be a lot more people gravitating to the Blues. The casual sure. fan is going to gravitate more to the Blues now due to success brings in money no matter what you're no matter what you're doing and brings in eyes to the product and the blues had plenty of stories uh that happened so the blues win and it's insane so you're in louisville so you're gonna celebrate your friends there so i'm in st louis i got a call from my friends and we're talking and, and like you know flipping out the blues actually won we decided to be one of the crazies to go out there and try to get some blues uh stanley cup merchandise and drive around uh, all West County looking for blues merchandise. And we wound up going to Dick's at the West County uh, Center and with about 700 of uh, other people in West County. That's uh, awesome. And it's just I mean, to the point where nothing, it was like they were just dumping shirts onto uh, folding tables and just saying, here's, here's the navy blue shirts, here's the gray shirts. You have to dig for your size. And just people just buy, I mean, handfuls of merchandise, man. It was, yeah. it was great to see just so much enthusiasm and people just chanting in line. The line is across the store. We're talking hundreds of people in line and people are just, nobody's complaining. There are people just chanting, let's go blues. And it was just a really cool thing to see. Um, we just hung out for a little while and it was like late at night. We went to Uncle Bill's later that night and it's a third full. And every single person has blues something on. And then random blues chants of uh, people are eating their food. And all of a sudden, somebody be chanting about the blues. And they're watching the replays of the blues celebrating on TV. And it's great. And this, in the course of blues, start the party. 
party until they get back to St. Louis around 4.30 in the morning. And the, there's fans waiting at the airport. A few hundred fans are at the airport. Blues meet them. The Blues go to Enterprise Center, party at the Enterprise Center, go to OB Clark's, and non, the dude is nonstop for them. And they're at OB Clark's, and fans just start showing up OB Clark's all day and all night the day after. Blues are having the cup and bringing it down, letting fans touch it. I mean, it's just, you know, it was just a great thing to see how they were just, you know, sharing it with the fans where, you know, you didn't know if you, like, you didn't know how they would, would be with the cup and stuff. But man, they're just, mind you, everybody's hammered too, which is great to see. It was, you know, there's so many of the, everybody pounding beers and everybody's having a good old time. It was just an awesome thing to see. Yeah, so. it was. Um, I, I think that it became apparent the players understood what this meant to the city. You know, and, and you're right because you, every team celebrates, but I think it's impossible to be a part of the St. Louis Blues and not feel like. I won't say the pressure, but just the anticipation of wanting that first championship. It, it, it truly is equivalent to being a Boston Red Sox or a Chicago Cub. And just as every year ticked by, the it, someday it's going to happen. You know, and, and, and I guess, you know, even the Toronto Maple Leafs to an extent. But, uh, to finally have that monkey off your back and to know that you were part of the team that got it done. Are you kidding me, Pat Maroon? Like, Pat Maroon, even more so than David Freeze now, I think is the hometown hero. Yeah, that's going to be uh, – like he's going to – as he said during the parade, I'm a hometown hero, baby. So uh, he was living it up and rightfully deserved. Uh, they scored some big goals in this playoffs. And that's another story. A guy who came home, came home for his family, uh, didn't have the best of starts of the year. Rumors of possibly him getting released or traded in January. Um, turns it around under Brube. Finds a line with him and Bozak and Thomas that's super effective. And Should be but effective. Correct. And wins, uh, winds up basically controlling almost all the Dallas series and being like the, the basically the number one line in that series. Yeah. Scores the game winner in, in game seven on May 7th, you know, and he's number seven, of course. And just a great story. Yeah, almost. It felt that way. <laughs> but, uh, you know, like I said, there's just so many great stories. And that's something that we're going to really get to this summer. We got a, something, we got a couple of cool things planned to kind of recap everything that happened this year. So well, that's another time we'll talk about that. So the blues have their parade down market and uh, what a day it was. Uh, of course it had to rain on the parade. I mean, it did. Wh- However, it, did, it cleared up. Cleared up just in time as the parade starts. I mean, you were, we were down there early. I had, unfortunately things happen. I did get my way down there yes, finally, uh, thanks to you and uh, some other friends saving some spots and, about us and about 500,000 of our closest Blues friends were there. I was going to ask you about this because I've seen conflicting reports. I have seen figures anywhere from 500,000 to 1.5 million people. I think the 1.5 million was uh, somebody, I think, being a little presumptuous in the media. 
Uh, the, the first place I saw that, I'll be honest, I don't know if it was him who tweeted out the start. I do not know it was Randy Carragher. I don't know if that's his thing or he saw it somewhere. I can't confirm that at all. Uh, that's where I saw it first. And then I got picked up from a couple other people. And then today, it sounds like using, I guess, there's really no way to tell, honestly. No. From what they said, it's closer to the 500,000 mark. And they said probably about 300,000, closer to 300, 350,000 that were actually at the parade. Then about seventy to a hundred thousand at the uh, rally. Wow. They're conservative estimates, but they said they really will never know. So it was a lot of people. It was a lot of people. Say that much. Uh, we had we had a good time, except for a couple things at the end there. And eh, whatever. Chris, Chris almost getting in a fight, but whatever. Uh, well, another... look, it wasn't even my. It wasn't even a fight. Here's what happened. I go for it. The two little kids, like anyone who's at the parade, understands that if you were near the barricade, how close it was there was really nowhere to move people were trying to push up on you to you know touch the cup get a high five whatever um i looked down and there's two small children i would say older than five younger than 10 underneath my feet like between my legs underneath my feet i don't know where they thought they were going and i just and i looked at them and then i looked up at you and i was like yo this this ish has got to stop i'm gonna step on a kid and feel real bad well, apparently that made those kids cry. They went back to their mom, and it became my fault that I didn't turn around and ask the mom, who I don't know these kids or who their mom was, what was going on. And I got called a piece of trash human being, and I just said, okay, if I'm going to be a piece of trash human being for, for not wanting to step on your kids, then I'm a piece of trash human being. Yeah, that was the only downer about the day, outside of that, Chris, uh, having that happen. But let's be, let's be honest, it was going hard to kind of – that day to get ruined, I guess you could say. I mean, I mean probably, nothing was going to ruin that day for me. Yeah, so I mean, at the end of the day, why not being great? You know, we got to see a bunch of players. Um, so my, we kind of we were trying to rank players on who would be the drunkest guys. Oh, that man. was really hard to do. Uh, we kind of just said, threw our hands up at the end, and we like we just got to pick an MVP. And Jordan Bennington made a strong push at the end. He did. He he, he rallied late. Colton Pareko was up there too. Yeah, my MVP was the very first person we saw. Oh yes, like, uh, like uh, obviously the first couple players were Billy Huso and Mitch Rinky, then Chris Butler and some other guys. But then the first, like I guess, regular player for that showed up was Vince Dunn. Vince Dunn, I was. We were at the end of this parade, so we're at a Broadway and Walnut, which is pretty much the end of the parade. So it's about a little over a mile is the parade length, and then they kind of wrap around and they go to the arch grounds. Yep. So we're at the we're around the ballpark Hilton. We're kind of doing our and we're just waiting. Vince Dunn is not even his car. Nope. We're so excited to finally see some cars because we've been waiting a while. And the car gets everybody's cheering and nobody's there. And there's Vince Dunn finally making it around the corner. Just kind of walk around looking at everybody. Not really paying attention. Eating a bag of chips. Just grabs a bag of chips. He gets a bag of chips from like a fan. Starts yeah. eating a bag of chips. Then he just starts doing the, he starts doing the uh, like stone cold to me. He just grabs a beer. Walks over to the barricade, gets up on the barricade, and everybody just like start high fiving him, and he just throws and throwing beer on people and shits his hand, his hand up and stuff. Yeah, Cro- throws the beer bottle to the crowd, walks to the other side, real slow, like really slow, just taking his time, just back and forth. And mind you, he does that, and more guys come through, and then everybody's having a good time. Barbershev's but had a really good time, obviously too. Randomly, later in the parade, here comes Vince Dunn back. From the other direction. Back, from the other direction. Just kind of hanging out, walking back by us. We're like, 
<laughs> somebody like somebody needs to keep track of Vince Dunn. Like I, so, he went to Vegas. I don't know if Vince Dunn made it to Vegas. I'm sure he's there. But so man, the hammered. Best, the best part of Vince Dunn for me, above and beyond the fact that he was so glassy eyed, I'm pretty sure he didn't know when or where he was. Was did you see right in front of us when Tarasenko tried to hand him the cup? I, I kind of saw he kept talking to him, and he was just like, "Okay, so like, Tarasenko, hey. he tries Go to on. hand it to him once, and Vince Dunn just like puts one hand on it and gives it a, like a smack, and Tarasenko pulls it back, and then he doesn't do it again, and Vince does the same thing, and he pulls it back a third time and looks at Vince, cup over Tarasenko's got the cup over his head, looks at Dunn and goes, "Hey, focus, focus," and so Vince like puts both of his hands up, and so he hands it to Vince. But before he lets go, like they're both holding out of the cup now, and Tarasenko looks at him, looks at him dead in the eyes and goes, "You got this. You better not drop this." And Vince just shook his head up and down. And Tarasenko opened up his hands and took two very cautious steps back, like, "Please don't drop the cup. Please yeah. don't drop the cup." It was pretty great, and like I said, the rally was great. Like it was, it was fun watching all the guys on the stage at the rally because I we left after the parade because it was kind of like you do the parade or the rally yeah it was, it was so many people day. and it was already three the parade was a little over three hours and obviously waiting for probably two or three hours before that three or four hours really so it was like seven hours total for some people if not longer for others and that's when it started to get warm too the sun finally came out and mm-hmm. then it started to heat up and like you were in a jersey i, I was, was in a jersey hoodie. and i had also maybe possibly stone cold beer or two yes <laughs> which was great and uh, so a couple other things which I forgot to mention on this, which I don't want to have it uh, forget, is probably my favorite person to hoist the cup is somebody not even on the team, is uh, when Bobby Plager got oh, to for sure. do the cup. That was like my one like, because that dude was so nice to me, and just that dude is like Mr. Blue. Yeah. And that one was just like, that's the one I like, I watched the video when they showed him like watching the game, how excited he is, and he's like, we're on a lower level, and I get to go get the cup. And just like you get to see, he's like ready to lose it already, and he's like the game's not even over yet. You know, it's, he's like, and then me watching, I'm like, man, this guy's. And then all the, on top of that, all the players saw him walk out, and all the players like, give it to Bobby, give it to Bobby, give it to Bobby. Like, you know, he came over and, like he said, I have two bum shoulders, so it's kind of hard for me to lift it up, even though it's uh yeah, uh, you know. And he, but Trangel helps him out, and he gets to kiss the cup, and uh, that was a pretty awesome moment to see him do that. So for me, that was number one. A close number two was for Durko, lifting the cup and turning and thanking the team, just saying thank you, boys, because you saw the how much it meant to him. Mm-hmm. And then, and then a really close number three for me, just because you wanted it to end this way, was Colton Pareko and Steen bringing the cup over to Layla and letting her hoist it with their help, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then her pulling it down and giving it a kiss. Like, dude, that's everything that is a fan that you want, you got that night. Everything. And uh, it was just the perfect end to a perfect night. And uh, it happened to get at the parade. But it just, everything about that weekend was everything as a Blues fan that you had wanted for 52 seasons. Yeah, so... And the cup comes back to St. Louis. The Blues are currently in Vegas right now. Get ready for the awards. Yep. It's your Wednesday. So, man, it's just been 
once again another roller coaster year for the Blues, and, and so many great things. You know, obviously it worked out for the Blues for the first time ever, and it's really nice to have this feeling for the first time ever. And now, you, now it's like one of those almost like a drug. And now you're like, I want to go win another one now, and another one, yeah. another one, and another one. I mean, mind you, now we know how hard it is and how much. Like how many years, uh, how many years that this cup run took off my life? Oh God! But uh, but uh, they didn't like we we talked about many times. The Blues never made it easy during did. this playoff, and they never do. So, but the Blues are Stanley Cup champions, and June twelfth, two thousand nineteen, will be a date that every Blues fan remembers for the rest of their life. And we have a our friend Bobby has a. Uh, the other thing is the the Kings won theirs on June twelfth. What was it like six years ago? Whatever. So two thousand twelve. Yeah. So so seven years ago. So we, so he uh, and that's the other thing too, which is great. Um, on Twitter and uh, and other friends that say Twitter, a lot of other podcasts hit us up and say, you know, congratulations, like really happy for you guys. And so I appreciate all the messages from everybody. You just it was kind of great to see that where I just got tagged and my phone blew up nonstop. Oh, dude, my phone. I think. With like a minute and a half left, I sent all you guys a text that was like, I love you all. We're going to win the cup. My phone's going to die as soon as the game is over. And I think my phone went from like 19% to dead in a minute and a half. Yeah, because my phone was just going off between social media and I had turned off notifications on social media because it was just getting ridiculous. And then just text from friends that I you know talk to on occasion or some that I only talk to rarely. And just people know, like, I know how big of a fan you are, like you had earlier. I know how big of a fan you are, and I know how much this means to you. I'm really happy that the Blues won. So some guys I know, I know friends that have no rooting interest in the hockey or don't even really care, followed it. And one one guy that I know, he just had a child about a month ago, and he's like, we're watching our first hockey game together tonight, and it was game seven. That's so, great. So I was like, stuff like that is really cool. So like I said, we can tell stories all night. But we'll, we'll we'll start to wrap it up here, and then we're going to talk about a couple other things real quick as we wrap it up. So, obviously, the Blues are Stanley Cup champions, and there is a ton of stuff out there. I don't know if anybody else – I don't know if you saw this, but I went to the Fanatics today, and there are 29 pages yep. of Blues stuff. And the reason I bring this up is is that, A, there's merchandise like running out all over St. Louis, and it's hard to find – I cannot find a hat yet in St. Louis – a Stanley Cup champions hat, like a, the locker room one. That has been the hardest thing to find. But if you're going to order anything for the Blues, and I just, off of Fanatics, me and Chris both encourage you to go to our page and at the top of, top of my Twitter uh, and the Facebook pages, it's pinned to the top. There's a link there for Fanatics. And if you click on a link, it's just, we're an affiliate with Fanatics. It's kind of like, if anybody knows that Amazon has a program for like schools or Target has the same thing. You know, everybody's got this stuff, uh, and we just get a small percentage, and then that's money we're going to use, dump back in the podcast, help us pay for our, you know, server costs or upgrade our microphones, and hopefully do some. If we get, in, if we find some cool stuff, we're going to do some good stuff to do some uh, giveaways and stuff. Because I have, like Chris talked about, we have, I have a ton of towels here. I'm gonna so during the summer, I'm gonna give a couple of these away. Um, I might have a newspaper or two. Giveaway from the, the Post Dispatch that had a ton of newspapers come out with the Blues saying we yep. did it. The Cup is ours. A lot of other stuff. I think I have one or two extra of those because I had so many people buy me papers to, because they knew how big a fan I was. And 
Um, I think Sports Illustrated has something coming out too. So we're going to try to, so go to Fanatics. If you're going to buy something, please use our link. We really appreciate it. And the second thing I want to bring up is... Where can you find that link, Jason? It is on our Facebook and Twitter and on our website. It's blueshockeypodcast.net. It's the very top of it. Just click on the banner. It will take you directly to the Blues page on Fanatics and use that. You don't need to do anything else. Just click on that link and buy whatever you feel like buying. No codes, no nothing. Nope. And we're appreciative of whatever you buy if you want to spend... Five bucks, 30 bucks, 100 bucks, whatever. Yeah, whatever. We're appreciative of all of it. The second thing I do want to bring up is, is that we do have a new shirt out there. So we're going through uh, Teespring. It is dope. So through Teespring, uh, it's from one of the uh, one of bands I really like. Uh, it's our Run the League shirt. So, and also that is also on the Twitter and Facebook. Look for that link. Uh, it's going to be in this podcast in the notes. If you want either of those links, look in the podcast notes. Click on that. It'll take you directly to both of those. Order the shirts. Order whatever you need to on Fanatics. Both ways help us and help us keep bringing you this podcast. And we want to keep bringing you this podcast as long as possible because, you know, now the Blues have finally broken them through. I think we're just going to make this thing bigger and better. So uh, let's just keep keep everything going, keep the good times rolling, and we'll wrap it up there. So if you want to get a hold of us on Twitter, it's at Blues Hockey NHL. And Chris is at? At Hossapalooza. And then... Also, like I talked about on Facebook and Instagram, it's Blues Hockey Podcast. On both of those, our Instagram contest that we've been running, I will be picking the winner this weekend. So be on lookout for a live video where I uh, will pick the winner this weekend. Uh, Secondly, uh, blueshockeypodcast.net and .com on the websites. And the email us is blueshockeypodcast at gmail. And to download the podcast and all your podcasts, Find podcast directories in the Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher. Uh, and then I'm catching up on YouTube slowly. So YouTube will have more the updated podcasts. And then I'll work on the back catalog this uh, next couple of weeks. So check out YouTube. And then lastly, once again, our website, blueshockeypodcast.net. And dot com. And I also yeah. think... We need to make good on our bet. I believe we did say if the Blues won the Stanley Cup, we would put the the podcast on Tinder. I think that's uh that's correct. So <laughs> I've got to I've got to figure out how to do that with my wife's easy Tinder app on the phone. That would be a little awkward to explain. Hey, it's for the podcast. I don't know if that excuse would fly. Uh, it might, but I don't think that would fly. Like, hey, it's like the podcast is on Tinder, not myself. So not that's, me, baby, my podcast. Yeah, so I don't know if that would pull off. We'll see about that. I don't know if how uh, if there's other podcasts on Twitter that I, we can hook up with randomly. So, wow, man, it's been a great season. Great, I mean, weird, and yeah. just you like, man. I look back, and I think it was a podcast in. The second podcast we did in December, and I titled it "Lose Free Hashtag Lose for Hughes." Yep. So we're talking seven months ago. We were chalking it up that we're hoping we have the number one pick this Friday. Yeah. And we're not even having. And mind you, the Buffalo pick winds up going down to number thirty. Well, it goes to thirty-one, but they had some trades. Buffalo still has like a number twenty-eight pick, I think, or something like that right. via trade. Um, there's a bunch of stuff we're going to get to coming up. We have couple trades that were made. The Blackhawks made a trade with the Penguins, acquiring Ole Mata. Winnipeg traded Truba today to the New York Rangers for a pick and a prospect. We'll get to all the outside news coming up. There's going to be so much stuff coming up. 
it's just very odd to not be talking about that already and not having prepared that. And you actually get to talk about blues hockey this late in the year. Yes. And I, I'll be honest, I really like doing that. So uh, it's fun. It's a lot more fun than the alternative. Yeah. So next time we come to you, we're going to have draft news, uh, NHL awards. Uh, I think me and Chris kind of talked about instead of our normal, we broadcast the first round as we always do. We're not going to do that this year because we have uh, we've had content, a lot of content so far. So a we'll, lot, we'll, a lot. We'll, but we'll do a podcast talking about that very soon. We also won't do our live uh, broadcast like we normally do. Maybe we'll do a little bit for a couple picks and talk about that. Like I myself, mind you, not me and Chris. But overall, we're probably going to do another podcast, and then we're going to have a lot more other stuff uh, coming up to you this summer. We're going to have content throughout the summer. Normally, we take the summer off, but I kind of have the itch to do stuff this summer, and I got a couple of good ideas that uh, me and Chris kind of are going to collaborate on, and I think we got some good stuff planned. They bring you some content throughout the summer and get you ready for next season where the Blues will get to defend the Stanley Cup. That's fun to say. I can't wait for that banner to get raised. Yeah, and that's uh, I think that's going to be a, a must-go-to game for me. For so, sure, for sure. So, all right, guys. Well, it's been a fun ride. Thank you all for listening. You know, uh, interacting with us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. It's been great. Um, but guess what? There's more to come. So we're excited, and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. See ya. Nervous? 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 Nervous?